welcome to Overcoming, the podcast to support you in your healing, growth, and overcoming journey. My name is Taylor, I am your host, and I'm here to support you through tools, resources, and also shared lived experiences to inspire you to take back your life regardless of life's messiness. I am also a doctor of occupational therapy, certified trauma professional, and survivor who's been healing for years to remind you that anything is possible. Before we get started, I want to remind you that there is a trigger warning present throughout this entire podcast just due to the heavy nature of trauma and also shared stories from our guests. Additionally, this is for educational purposes only. Make sure that you are checking out and going to see your medical providers and psychology professionals for individualized advice. Again, take care of yourself. If you need crisis resources, they are on my website. You can also contact the emergency services. And now that all of that is out of the way, I invite you to take some deep breaths, ground yourself, and join me in this overcoming journey. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Overcoming the Podcast. And today we are going to talk deep diving about adverse childhood experiences or ACEs. And I am bringing on someone who is an expert in this area. Um, She goes by Dr. Victorious. And actually, right before this, we were just kind of talking. It was like, how do you want me to share your, like you go by Dr. Victorious, but like, how did that come about? So can you tell us a little bit about what you do and maybe where Dr. Victorious came from? My name is actually Dr. My name is actually Dr. Etoya Ree Williams. Okay. Okay. Nickname is Dr. Tori. However, Dr. Victorious was actually given to me as a name. Um, if you think of the word victory and the definition of victory and, and the word victory is uh, things and people that create victory for themselves. And so they took the victory I have, you know, my story is really my story is my truth. And that shows that victorious experience. So instead of saying, you know, Tori is victory, it's Dr. Victorious. So I did not I that. that at all. I think it's so creative because my name is actually Tori. So Victory, yeah. Dr. Victorious. I love that. I go by um, Taylor Maid, but I mean, I kind of made that yeah. one up. So that's still, that's still creative. You know what I mean? <laughs> at least that's your acronym. That's yeah. you. That's yeah. who you are. And all I do is I'm just myself. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. mean, a safe space, you know, not just with, you know, individuals, but with organizations, with schools, with this. And I think, um, the name carries itself well. So yeah. 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 I love it. And you can always tell like when you're popping up, like anything, it's so funny because I can say like the, whenever I think of trauma, like there's so many people in like the internet trauma space, educators, survivors, anything like that. But I feel like ACEs is so niche down that like anything, anything comes up like that. You're the first person I think of. I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about this. Here's what we're going to talk about. (laughs) I love it. Humbling to me. I'll be totally honest. It's humbling because to see just people saying, and it's like, I'll, I'll step in somewhere and it's like, okay, well, let's talk about this. Well, remember when you were on that podcast and you talked about this and it's like, y'all listen for real. Yeah really out here educating people about ACEs. And it's such an amazing experience because all I'm doing is bringing to the forefront something that should be brought up in the forefront. It's been out there since 1998. I know. In a mental health crisis right now. 
Yeah. Why are we even talking about it? And I go into meetings. So, I mean, I know we have plenty of things to talk about, but. Oh no, keep going. You're good. Let me tell you this. It's hard to go into meetings. I am, my position right now, I am an admissions review and dismissal administrator. Okay. So special education. There's a stereotype that's always going to be placed on special education, but what people don't understand is it provides the accommodations that you need to move forward, regardless of who, what, when, where, why. Mm -hmm. so I'll give you one example, and then we can talk about whatever you like. Yeah. I set up a meeting on Friday with this young man. He is five years old. He's been in school for the past five weeks, and he's been pretty bad. Mm -hmm. And so... We get down to the bottom of it. We do, um, he's not in special education at all, but we're trying to let the parent know he's, he qualifies for the services. The, the school wants to kick him out and put him in alternative school because he's bad. Mm -hmm. We're saying, let us do our job. So the mom starts off immediately and she says in this meeting, I just want to let you know, we just moved from Dallas from Florida. My son has been through some traumatic experiences. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. Immediately, I look at the principal and I look at the teacher and I do this, ACES, because that's his experience. And we're about to put this young man in an alternative position when we actually need to be providing services for him that's going to help him, such as counseling. Yeah, so exactly. I love being in this position, which is the reason why I disappear on and off. Because I'm advocating on the other side of education, you guys. I'm advocating for ACEs. And I'm telling you, if we can get anybody screened or bring attention to the light of counseling, we can save this young man's life at five years old instead of waiting for him to get older and then go through these experiences that we should have addressed when he was younger. So mm -hmm. now, yeah, it's taken exactly. away. Like, I want to be Victoria so bad. Like, I do. I want to be on social media. You still are. Here. but man this new yeah. job is is kind of what I want to do because I can get in the field of education and yeah. start using it in schools where it actually needs to be well I love that there's someone like you on the team having those conversations and I, I know you know this but I don't know if the listeners do that before I was in occupational therapy I started my career as a special education assistant really? and I was in charter schools and basically I was having a lot of responsibility after I had been there for a while. And then there are people with degrees who are basically supervising me. Um, but I had a lot of input um, and I heavily ran the social emotional groups. I had a resource classroom that I assisted with, um, which is like pull out special education yes, services. Yes. Um, real. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so I did usually like K to eight. Um, that's kind of where mine was. And then at the end of my career in that, I actually was overseeing a high school. Yeah. Um, so that was really a whole different experience. Mm -hmm. And like you, I, even now, like what inspired my, not only me recognizing things in myself, cause like we can send from working with kids, we can kind of reflect back and be like, oh, they're asking for help in a way that I was, but this is how they're being treated. And if only we had done this differently. Right. And so I, there's this child that's one of the first years that I was working that stands out to me that actually other teachers had written books about this experience because it was so impacting for all of us. And 
we just really did not know what to do with this child who was in third grade, was having a really hard time emotionally, had a special education like label of emotional disability, but mm-hmm. so much more was going on. And it was very clear, um, very clingy to adults oh, yeah. and came to school disheveled, like smelling sometimes, um, very emotionally reactive, unpredictable. Um, and I was one of the very few that could calm her down, um, to the point where there had to be restraints used that, you know, is it was trained and certified and all of that stuff. And luckily I was never the one who was trained or had to do that. However, it's just heartbreaking to see. Um, and the parents, so like the parent you're talking about, sounds like the parent was on board and the parent was really supportive. This parent (laughs) kind of seemed like it was part of the problem. Um, and so didn't want the help, didn't want the label, didn't want any investigation. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. I've watched people, this young woman is, is trying to reach me so bad. She doesn't want special education or the label for her kid, but her kid mm-hmm. is struggling yes. and they're going to struggle because you don't want to label your child. So yes. I'm glad that I'm in the position. This is what people don't know and understand the doctrine of education. We are advocates. We fight, we do what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm never going to stop talking about ACEs. as it is what it is because no. here it needs to be addressed. We could save people's lives if we just educate them on it exactly what it is and help them that way. Perfect. Okay. So let's start with that. So let's what, when you're giving a speech about ACEs, like how do you explain ACEs to people and how it impacts kiddos? Of course I have to shout out, um, Dr. Nadine Burke Harris, because I mean, you can get a spark of an introduction, just showing her Ted talk seriously. Uh, Yes. That's what brought me onto ACEs. And I've been manifesting for years since like someday she's going to need an OT on her team and it's going to be me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, I I think the thing about that is she was so relatable. She was, uh, you know, and it made sense to me. And so when I started applying the research to exactly what I was doing, mm-hmm. I was a director of student activities at this high school. So surprise, surprise, I started off as a substitute in a high school. So let's be clear. Mm-hmm. I think the people that know me know that they just, that this degree was earned because I started off as a substitute. Okay. Yeah. And then I started working my way toward the the field and getting to know the students and um, became relatable mm-hmm. um, with me being the the director of student activities. I knew what they needed, so I would I, I got a grant to help feed the kids so they could stay after school so they mm-hmm. can get involved in extracurricular activities. And this is in Chicago. Now let's be clear: everybody knows what they see in Chicago. It is what it is. Can't you know, the news is what it is. Mm -hmm. For some odd reason, it wasn't, I don't think the kids even know that I taught special education. So when the kids would come into my classroom, when I was teaching special education, they were relatable. They started Mm -hmm. talking to the special ed students because I was a resource. I did behavior. I did emotional. I was all in those classes that people knew, but I made those classes relatable and understandable for people to know that they were people just like everybody else. Mm -hmm that were in special education didn't want to be there which made them work hard to get out 
Yes. So this is what I did for over 10 years. And when I tell you I saw the change, I saw the change. Yeah. I think what made me relatable to the students is because the story was real. I understood what they were going through as teenagers because I went through the same thing with my own aces. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I started to, to develop the relationships that I have. I have like, I'm not even going to kid you. I have like hundreds of mentor mentees running around the United States. I, I kid you not. Some have still stayed there. Some you know, have, you know, we, we speak, um, out of respect, but I've, I've worked with a lot of people. Um, I mean, seriously, like the shirt that I have on mm-hmm. of my mentee, she's into special education, um, from the same high school together. But I mean, she had a, a father, she had a mother, but her father and mother was separated. You know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. you, you got to think about what was relatable. We have aces and it just really exactly. Dress. That's all. So that's how I start off just saying relatable stories to people, or um, I will get a call. Can you talk about um, emotional eating and how it affects? And so I go into mm. where I'm talking about emotional eating. You can actually save that um, by doing this. And this is really how ACEs was created by Dr. Felitti and Dr. Anda. They mm-hmm. actually started off in a weight loss clinic. And they were trying to figure out why these, the clients kept coming back and they would lose the weight, but they would come back. Yeah. And then that's when they teamed up with Kaiser Permanente. They interviewed 17,000, over 17,000 um, subjects. Wow. And that's where ACES was developed. It was a big deal in 1998. I just hate that we haven't done anything about it. I mean, we I know. Ended it's, I'm telling you, it's changing though. I give it. There's really- no way that it can't with the pandemic. Like we're going to st- I mean, we, I know we already have, and I'm sure in education you have, but we're going to start seeing mental health, physical health, everything from our youth. So I fast, so. like that well, the- collective trauma is an ACE an Which adverse means- childhood experience. Absolutely. It is COVID for everybody. And I think what we need to understand is, okay, I'm trying to bring it up and say ACEs, you guys, and people are still so focused on childhood trauma, trauma. And I understand people go through trauma mm-hmm. and childhood trauma but ace but COVID-19 within itself was a trauma yeah we're still trying to get back students back into school and it's 2022 we're struggling we have what I would coin the post-COVID students mm-hmm. which means they all have trauma yeah yeah because like you said it's a collective trauma and you think of too I mean so I part of the reason that I left education. So when I was an occupational therapist in my last like clinical year so far, um, I, in the middle of COVID was trying to do occupational therapy between virtual and a clinic in homes. I was burnt out. I was working four days a week, but it was like 7am to 7pm sometimes. Right. And so I was in, I believe it was four schools at the time and each one had their own jurisdiction of, Oh, we're going to be virtual or not, or you need to be here or not. You know what I mean? And so for the kids, especially when you think about kids in special education who thrive on structure and absolutely need that, that was incredibly disruptive. And then trying to do 
education behind a computer screen for those kids who I would normally have to have them like doing heavy sensory activities. We're on a therapy ball. We're singing, we're doing little pieces at a time. We're modeling all these things that is really hard to do behind a computer screen. And then sometimes you have parents who are super involved and that's great. Sometimes you have parents who want to be involved, but are working and can't. And then sometimes you're hearing these conversations of parents yelling at the other kids and the discipline in the background. And you're like, Oh, this is why this kid is struggling. Right. So we got a really intimate look Mm -hmm. as providers into what is happening in the household. And I don't know about you, but that informed my practice so much more. Yes. So much more. Because right now, honestly, they need you bad. You know what I mean? I am. I, I went back into the the campus because I need to, mm-hmm. but you know, be victorious. The company can get hired at any given time because the need and demand for that, mm-hmm. um, whether it's social, emotional learning classes, uh, trainings, um, speaking engagements, you know what I mean? It's so needed because it's yeah. such a good for it right now. So yeah. especially from my OT point, just so you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I know. And, and so for me, it was like, I felt a calling bigger than just the one-to-one, not, not only was I getting burnt out, but people just didn't understand. They didn't right. know, understand how to support. They didn't have the tools. And so part of my mission has been to educate people and <laughs> collaborate with professionals and help them understand trauma-sensitive care. And especially in a school setting, that's one of my long-term goals because we just see it set up like a discipline system, right? That's and it. it's because, and also it's the resources. It, it starts at the top. We know that, right? It really, yes. it and starts at the top. The teachers, I think really do mean well, they mm-hmm. just don't have the resources they need to support. They don't. And I, and I think that is what I've experienced since I've been down here in Texas. Mm-hmm. I was in Chicago. I'll be honest. When I asked my daughter who lives here now, who got her education in Chicago, I asked her like, what are we missing? What are we doing here? What's different from Chicago to Dallas? And she said to me, and I'll say this again, and we're being recorded is that the teachers here like passion. We have the resources. We have the tools. Mm-hmm. If teachers down here or the the resources was given to text to Chicago, mm-hmm. we might be in a better place. Mm. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. I see my own eyes. They don't, they're lacking the resources that we have here, but the teachers lack the passion that the teachers in Chicago interesting. have. And I think that's the reason why it's interesting for me, just being a district administrator, I would rather do that because I see in the classroom, I could get relatable and they don't like that down here. They mm-hmm. want the uh, testing practices, do what you got to do. Have a great day. Yeah. And, and think of kids and aces and trying to put them in behavior intervention schools and things like that instead of actually, you know, caring yeah. what they need to do to help them. Yeah. And I think too, that that's been conditioned in a way, because I don't, I don't think that teachers come into the job for the money, obviously don't come into the job because it's easy, right? That's, that's never something that at, at, anyone who's thought of education is I want to help people. I want to connect with kids, right? Like, you know, anyone who's done anything in that realm. And so I think the fact that you're saying like they lack passion, it's the system is set up for academics, 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 numbers, numbers, numbers. And I was in a similar position where I saw those kind of things and I just, I couldn't stomach it. And I got to the point where I couldn't be a part of it because I was fighting a battle that no one else wanted to fight with me. Um, And then I worked with an administrator who did both very well. 
okay. academics, but put the kids first, but high focus on social emotional learning, but yeah. also understanding that kids have different needs and understanding that there are different experiences outside of the classroom, like adverse childhood experiences right. and would work and go out of their way to support those kids. Right. Um, and so overall, the team was better. Um, you know, everyone was more enthusiastic. That was a more well-rounded approach. Of course, every school has their setbacks, right. And their limitations. Um, but I think it really came from the leadership of, Hey, we want to do better and we want to shift this. And that comes from whether that's the superintendent and the school board or whatever it may be, it has to come from leadership being wanting to understand the prevention part of ACEs and how to, implement trauma-sensitive care, knowing that the statistics for ACEs are incredible. And I think, isn't it like one out of four in the classroom are developmentally impacted now? Yes. And people don't understand. I'm talking, they're cutting themselves and suicide and all of this. And these are just mm. in middle school and high school. Yeah. Don't give them that. And and so, yeah. Okay. Cause you know how I get about it. Oh and no, you can't, you can go on the soapbox girl. It just, it's, it's frustrating because I don't think people actually understand the demand and need for it. We mm. don't have social workers in school right now. We don't have counselors no. we have them and they're so needed right now. It's like, you can maybe hire them and you're lucky if they're there one time a week. And most of them are only there to do assessments for special education. And you're like, do you know how many kids, like, I remember when I was in school and me, this may be due to privilege that mm-hmm. in my public elementary school in Southwest in Arizona, there uh-huh. was always a counselor there. Yeah. Always. And they have a counselor, but the counselor is always booked. Oh yeah. Or they don't want to go to the counselor because they don't want the counselor to, sh- to pass on that information to their parents just yet. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. And I, I just want to do what I can to help students because I've seen them in suffering so bad. Yeah. And I got to continue doing what I'm doing. I'm never going to continue to advocate for ACEs ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not just ACEs on my own, but you know, I have children that are unfortunately that I can't not hide, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's my yeah. life. And so it makes me want to advocate for it even more knowing that there are people out there that I know that are suffering from yep. ACEs. Yep. And two, it's like, I think sometimes, so some of the ACEs, so adverse childhood experiences, let's, let's talk of some of the big ones. Cause obviously we know the original 10, but there's been some other ones that have been included, which I think just changes the game mm-hmm. because while there are parents out there, I do believe who don't have the tools who are maybe abusive or, you know, are maybe those parents who don't want help. I do think that maybe there are those other parents who are looking for support, but are too ashamed to say, Hey, we're struggling or Hey, this, or Hey, this is impacting my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, so what are the main things when you're talking about ACEs? Like, what are those events? I'll be honest. I'm getting a lot now of cyberbullying and bullying. Mm. There's not a lot of discussion around it. And I think people think, well, why would you compare that? It's not on the list. Well, they have what they call expanded ACEs. Yes. That talks about bullying. And then Mm -hmm. you think about it for the past couple of years with us being in COVID, cyberbullying has increased tremendously. I'm sure. 
you think about that from even a um, elementary and middle school perspective, we put kids on camera now mm-hmm. and you know, if somebody puts up a video and they say, oh, she's fat and she's this, that's bullying. Mm-hmm. And you can only get so much of that for that to, to hinder, you know? Yeah. So I, I get a lot of that for sure. Okay. Um, of course, the physical, emotional, mental um, abuse and neglect is mm-hmm. always um, a big deal. What I like to talk about is the fact that we don't talk about it this mm-hmm. generation wants to talk about it though yes they do so, and I love it yeah with them sharing their stories and talking about the things mm-hmm. is encouraging other people to do the same and so I don't do too much of the the 10 score like what's your ace I do but it's just an introduction to exactly what it is because yes. when you do the 10 questions one question has three questions in one True. So I have to let people know, oh, well, I got a seven. I'm a bad person. No, you're not. It just means that you fall into more categories than some. And so I I break that down too. So Mm -hmm. not only do you have the extended ACEs and I go into exactly what that is, it's the 10 that I have to let people know, don't be worried about that because things Mm -hmm. have changed. It's a lot on the we have, um, what was this, in 2022, how many um, school shootings have we had? So you had- That's exactly what I was going to say. Like community violence is one yeah. of them and um, discrimination and, you know, like low income, even just being in like from a low income area, that in itself. That's expanded ACEs. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. those are things that, you know, I, again, try to make it as relatable as possible you know, to let people know exactly what's going on. You can actually get out of it. Um, you can actually share your story and discuss it and do something about it mm-hmm. There's things that you can do, you know? So yeah. that's all. It's just more, like I said, of an introduction. And I think people need to find their own. And I'm not saying everybody has to wait in line for therapy, but there are other things out there that people can do. You know, people do a lot of yoga and they expand on yoga and it's great for them. Try whatever it is you need to do in order to heal. So I think that's what it is for me. I will sit poolside and enjoy uh, self-care Sunday quick. And if Mm -hmm. I feel like doing it on a Saturday and I want to clean up because I've cut cluttered during the week on purpose so I can clutter for my therapy, then that's what I do. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the thing that people also need to do. Find out what works for you. Don't deny and say you don't need it. I think those are the ones that I have an issue with because they want everybody else to do it, but there's nothing wrong with them. Those people are called narcissistic. Those people are called gaslighters. Those people are out there. So those are the people that I- Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. As we know, I was raised by one, which I trust me, I know. Um, And, you know, and so I agree with you. And I think that too, when it comes to, I think the the thing in all of the research, I also follow pretty closely the Harvard for developing child. Um, I think it's a really, really great resource if anyone's interested in staying up to date on like ACEs and childhood trauma and things like that. And um, when we're going back to Dr. Nadine Burke Harris and her research with resilience hugely stands out to me. Mm -hmm. And the thing that has made a mark for me as a provider, especially when I was working directly with children was that one safe adult can be the buffer between a potentially traumatic experience being stored as trauma or not. 
-hmm. and how deeply that child is impacted. And that inspired me as an occupational therapist interacting with kids to focus as much as I could on the connection of safety and then thinking, okay, if our, if we have that much of an impact, think of how many kids accidentally call their teachers, mom or dad, you know, because you spend so much time with kids in the classroom. So how can we change our approach that is more welcoming of ACEs and preventative and trauma sensitive and, you know, and so yeah, that's, that's one of those soapboxes that I could go on forever, but the research literally supports that if the teacher is able to be a buffer and a safe person in a safe space, then that can start to support how the child stores their own stress. Right. Like we, we see it, but here education is like numbers, 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 perform, perform, perform. There are five-year-olds who have to memorize an electronic password so they can do math on a computer to know how smart they are. And if they need to go into like what, right. And I'm not going to say the academics don't matter because obviously they do, but like when we're, we're cutting down resources and we're in recess outside and we're taking away extracurricular activities as much and like we're seeing changes in this mental health crisis. Well, I wonder why. Right. We're making these kids robots. That's it. And people just don't understand. No. And like developmentally, when you talk to all the experts and anyone who knows anything about the brain, kids learn best through play. So why are we forcing them to be adults? Why are we parentifying an entire generation? Like, I feel like that's going to be an ace in itself. Huh? Because- we're, we're going through it. I think it's interesting if you go to the CDC website right now that COVID-19 is, isn't even on the website anymore. Now, mm. the big deal is monkeypox. Oh my God. But COVID is still out there. Yeah. Interesting. You know what I mean? So yeah. for listeners, go ahead and look on the CDC's website. And mm. also when you look in the CDC's website, go to the search engine and put in a C E S. There's going to be so much information on adverse childhood experiences on there, which means it's pretty relevant because it's on the same website yeah. that talks about COVID 19. But we're not doing anything about it. We're not doing anything about it. And so I just wanted to share, you know? Yeah. So that's why. If you are interested in having people virtually or whatever, come to your schools and talk about trauma sensitive nature, ACEs, anything like that. I know that I have a trauma sensitive care presentation that I do. I'm sure that I don't know how busy you are right now, but I'm sure you do ACEs education and advocacy. If you're an educator listening. I have a couple of um, conferences coming up as we speak because school has started. So, you know, yeah. it's like, can you come here? Can you talk about this? Can you do this? So, yeah, mm-hmm. I love you. And this is what I advocate for. And this is what I do. I have to, if it's not special education, it's adverse childhood experiences for sure. Yeah. And it's to be like, to be completely honest, it's not that much extra work. Cause I know when you think of putting things on teachers plates, it's like, they already have so much to do. They don't have time for that. It's just a change in approach. But the thing that's interesting is you have to be able to look at yourself Mm -hmm. as the provider, as the teacher, educator, administrator, whatever you are a tool for connection. You are the tool to help these kids whose brains are definitely not even close to fully formed to help them understand how to get through these things that would typically be considered like adult problems, but mm-hmm. kids younger these days are facing that. Yep. You're younger and younger. And so here comes the mental health crisis and 
my theory is the anxiety comes from the consistent need to perform with testing consistently. Let me say this. There is an organization, 16 Strong Project. I love yes. this. I love 16 Strong because that's the only organization that I've actually saw non-for-profit that focuses on ACEs. Good to and know. I have partnered partner with them as an advocate. I have partnered with them. I am an ACES ambassador. I am interested in getting ACES related information in schools. And yes. I am about to lead this nice mental health journey just to educate just students on how they can advocate for mental health in their own schools. Mm-hmm. So, that's what I'm doing right now. That's a big thing that I'm I'm working on. I mean, Good. I have to do a race for aces or you know something of that capacity. Yeah. We need to get that information out there so people can at least start focusing on their mental health and and making it aware. So we're going to start there. Mm-hmm. And once we get to talking about, tell me more about you know mental health and how can I do? Let's talk about aces. So there's some things. Yes being put in place on the low like I said it has taken a long time we have students that are still transferring into schools and we've been to school for five weeks it's, yeah if you hear what I said we have students that are still transferring to start school and get into school but we've been into school five weeks so it actually has taken me off of my ACEs soapbox because I'm trying to at least get the students in school so they can get the education that they deserve yeah. yeah. And then they're behind academically, I'm sure with the stuff going yeah. on and having to play catch up and that's, you know, yeah. um, as an educator, I'm curious, mm-hmm. um, have you seen any other changes in skills or behaviors or, um, mental health, anything since kids have been returning? Like, are we seeing regression of skills? Are we seeing social emotional difficulties? I'm going to definitely say social emotional difficulty because these, so what I'm seeing working in, in elementary school, I'll give you an example, another example of a young man, he's five, never been tested. I'm looking and you can tell that he's on the spectrum bad. You can Mm -hmm. look at him and tell that he's on the spectrum bad. But the fact that parent waited until he was five, you know, what, service did you do for your son and now he's in school pretty much terrorizing the whole class um because mom can't say she didn't know there are developmental delays that happen and you can identify developmental delays when kids are three years old yes I think that's the reason why so many people advocate for pre-k and preschool so they can get their children in well Mm -hmm. think about it for two since 2019 we haven't had those services we haven't had that available for Mm -hmm. anyone so 2019 2020 2021 2022 yeah that's a lot so look at it from that perspective it's like that's interesting so those zero through fives yeah. But okay. let's let's skip the fact that, okay, so if you were in the kindergarten four years ago, you're now in the fifth grade going into the sixth grade. Mm-hmm. You've been pretty much four years worth of quality work. Mm-hmm. What about those sixth graders going into the ninth grade? Yeah. What about those ninth graders going to the 12th grade? Mm-hmm. So we're in trouble. And we're in yeah. trouble because we also have teachers and there's a nationwide teacher shortage. 
which I wonder Art. why. Sorry. Yeah. Snarky yeah. comment there, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, yeah. it, it's real. I too, and you know, I left the field of education. You know that I actually left too mm-hmm. and became victorious. It was great. I love it. Mm-hmm. However, the, the passion is there and I know that there is a need and I'm, I have to advocate you know, and for ACEs. And like I said, I was doing a great job, but I'm still doing what I'm doing as as Dr. Victoria's and be victorious. But I had to be in schools. I had to see it. I, I had to know that my push for mental health awareness and social emotional learning is is real. I need to get out there so people, so parents, so administrators can actually understand. And every opportunity, I'm sorry, Taylor, you should see it. I am aces, aces. Oh, it's just, oh I bet. I love it though. I mean, it's- there's opportunity for me to do that. The mom looked at, the mom was on the, a conference call right when we walked in the, the you know, the principal was like, she's snaking us. We should have a meeting. And I'm like, mm, mm. the mom finally gets on and the mom is like, so you want to send my five-year-old student um, to an alternative school with high school students? What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And you better know, you know, okay, well, you have a right to pause and think about those type of things. So is that what you want to do? And then she said, yeah, which means we couldn't make any decisions at that time. She needed that time. Now, yep. what would have happened if I wasn't in the room? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. I'm back in school. I hear you. And I, I feel the same way. It was like, where I was on my team in occupational therapy, I had, I was more of a related service. So I had some say, but I didn't have a lot. Um, and so I love how you're in this leadership position and being able to share things like this. Yeah. Whereas I, I share this double passion that you do. Cause like, yes, I have survivors overcoming silence SOS and Dr. Taylor, right. My doctor of occupational therapy. And it's this advocacy for me, like sharing my story as a survivor, but also giving adults tools on how to manage their own trauma effects from childhood more likely. Right. However, so much of my passion comes down to changing the systems, the education, the advocacy that, yeah, it starts at like a micro level. And I even, for me, it's like, it's a free space where I can use myself as a tool of connection in a way that I wouldn't be able to in an education setting or anything like that. Right. But I also share that in that we do need to make systems change. And these people who are educated in this need to be able to have people and places that come in like you and are an advocate and are at the school. And they hire these people to make sure the school is run in a way that is considerate of ACEs. And that's like second career for me. That's like, I'm starting to pick up contracts and things like that because we need that. You should. We need that. You should. You should. I'm telling you. We have to continue to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to stop. Yeah, it's funny because you're not the only one that has said that. It's like, um, I did a post one time and um, one of my, I love her so much. She was like, you could tell you were in a rush. And I said, I was because I haven't been able to get on there as much as I want to. And people know when I'm on social media, I'm on there. I Mm -hmm. am on there. I'm advocating. I'm highlighting. I'm supporting. I'm doing everything that I can because I want people to know that I'm a part of their team as well. And I believe in what they're believing because there are people out there like you that really, really, really want to help. Yeah. I have to, you know, sneak on everything and tired as I'll get up, but I'll get on and advocate and do what I need to do because I believe in partnership and I believe in getting that information out there 
it, it it's, it's, I can be, I'm not a numbers driven person, but then again, I think the impact is everything that people yes. need to have. And exactly. so that's what it is to me. I've worked with wonderful people that have been up there in numbers, such as yourself. But oh, it's, I'm I, not comparatively, let me tell you that. There's you know, some. Like, I love to talk to people like <laughs> you, or yeah. I got to shout out Justin, uh, Jess News. He's so Mr. Autoimmune. And mm-hmm. I love to see him when he says, because of our childhood experience, it's like, Yes, I got to him. He's yep. listening and he has close to 40,000 followers. So, you know, yep. it's about getting the information out there and people exactly. make right in use of the information that they have. Yep. That's how it's going to get because somebody's going to say, So she talked about it. I keep hearing about it. Can you tell me about it a little more? And mm-hmm. then that's come into play. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. And and that's why we make these connections with these things, right? That like, you know, I, I share people like, I think my platform is maybe like 28 on Instagram, 20 on TikTok, which I have no idea how that happened, but I still feel like I'm little. I still feel like little old me. <laughs> um, I have to find you on t- I just joined. Oh, you're so funny. And so I know I did. I just joined in July. So yeah. I'm on TikTok now. I think it's kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm it's the same TikTok thing. Now as V victorious, I am. I'm Good. also on there as a mom. So that. I think that is the big deal for me in TikTok because mm-hmm. people love me as a mom. So it's like, ah, I'm a TikTok girl. is more, you can be your personal and professional self. You know what yeah. I mean? Which yeah. what is professionalism? Let's be honest. Like, but yeah. anyways, that's a whole, <laughs> funny whole other topic. One minute I can advocate in my passion and people see it and it's like, yeah, she in it. But then I'd be on there dancing and, and, and exactly what I need to do for my girls because I love them to death. Yeah. Exactly. And that's okay. And I think that we're multifaceted humans. And you know what? It, that, that is part of trauma sensitive care, it embracing is. all it of is. us and yeah. not, it, it's like foregoing judgment and setting up an environment in a way that everyone feels comfortable and everyone can succeed. And I think the reason that people are so successful on social media are, you know, like think of companies that are successful. It's not just a company sharing facts or whatever. It's a face behind the brand. It's a connection. It's, you know, it's, it's more vulnerability or humor or whatever it is, right? Like people tell me all the time it's because I'm willing to be vulnerable and share my story and connect, but also share the education that people feel like they can trust because I'm not automatically judging them. Cause I'm like, guess what? I'm just the same. I'm the same messy human who makes mistakes. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that people need to understand. And when we're talking about social, emotional learning that Mm -hmm. even to kids, we have to model that guess what? there are big emotions. You're going to feel like you make mistakes and we're going to teach you how to work through it instead of just sitting there and getting quiet or getting even more upset or defensive, or, you know, we have to model these as adults first. Yeah, no, you're right. And when we come in discipline, we're not modeling that. We're just saying you had a hard time. How dare you go in that corner? Correct. I just had this conversation today. It's like, so we're modeling behavior or are we using those behaviors that we use as what not to do exactly and so what's the thing is like kids especially especially the little ones they're going to learn so much like sensory observing everything right before all that thinking brain is fully online they're just they're literally watching what you do and mimicking that's why little kids come up with cuss words for their first words you know what I mean like they're they're taking in so much their brains are like a sponge up until seven heavily Mm -hmm. they're learning so much this like that's going to be programmed lifelong so like 
why are we pushing so heavy all of these academics or, you know, taking away the recess Mm -hmm. and when really the base of everything is the social emotional learning because kids, when we look at like the, whose pyramid is it? You probably know better than I would off the top of my head. The pyramid of needs. or Maslow. It's probably both. (laughs) It's probably Bloom's and Maslow that they have to have the regulation. I like Bloom a lot better. Yeah. his taxonomy was, was, was great. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, I understand exactly what you're talking about. And so, yeah, they have to be able to manage their emotions, feel Mm -hmm. safe in their environment in order to even get to this point where they can learn. Right. So why are we just not starting there? We're already starting at, Hey, learn kids. Right. They can't, their brains literally can't, what are we doing? And then you throw in those kids who have adverse childhood experiences and you're in a certain district or you're in a title one school and these kids are already set up for failure. Mm-hmm. And so anyone who's, I'm sure parents and, you know, if, if this is new to you, I would absolutely recommend one follow you because you have all kinds of resources about adverse childhood experience, whether you're active or not, you have so much on there. Um, and two, you know, start asking your schools, what they're doing about positive behavior interventions and what they're doing for social emotional learning. There are different curriculums you can include, um, you know, and it's just at a school wide level. That's Mm -hmm. the start. That should be the minimum (laughs) really should be the minimum, but you know, maybe changing the structures of how things are done, giving some extra time. One of the best teachers, most impact. She had the highest test scores. Her name is Miss Skiles. And she, I got to watch her. She's a third grade teacher. She's hopped around and I worked alongside her in special education. And she just was older and had this way of doing things that was different. It was a very sensory sensitive classroom. Her, her lights were always off. She had fairy lights. Everyone had their own type of chair. Everyone Mm -hmm. was, she spent like the first couple of weeks just talking about respect and um, get kids getting to know each other, them getting to know her building relationships. Mm -hmm. And then when it came time to testing, the kids were so focused and so set up for learning that they needed to be that in the small chunks that she would sit there and be like, okay, we're learning this. Mm -hmm. All the kids, everything. And it's like, even the kids who were in special education, who had a harder time had how felt so much more comfortable getting mm-hmm. accommodations in that classroom because all kids had the option. Yep. That's what I did. I, I, I loved being an inclusion teacher because mm-hmm. it, it hid those students that needed the assistance, but also helped those students that needed the assistance. You know what yes, I mean? Because exactly. I every kid in the classroom, regardless if they didn't have special education or not, if you have a question and you need to answer to the question, ask. Yeah. Here, so I actually had to learn uh, physics, chemistry, biology, mm-hmm. and I also, as an inclusion teacher, yeah. I did because I didn't want any kids to feel left out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what you have to do. Special education, any opportunity that I can, just as much as I'm going to advocate for adverse childhood experiences for sure. Yeah. And because, you know, sometimes they go hand in hand, especially when we're talking about learning disabilities. It does. And I think that's the reason why when I did my podcast, I did like, PTSD and adverse childhood experiences or lupus and adverse childhood experiences to Mm -hmm. let people know it's not a hand in hand thing, but this is the reason why this happened is because of this. Yeah. 
And, and I have a lot more people that want to share their story. Like I said, I had to take a break, but nonetheless, I am going to come back with some more stories because people are willing to share. It has actually helped a lot of people just by going on as a, as a resource to talk about the story. Yeah. And I mean, you think about it's a, a very human need to find people that we relate to connect to that look like us, that, that have the same experiences like us, right? Like it makes us feel less alone. And that is a very basic human need in the beginning. connection. Yeah. I think the great thing that, um, I did that people are like, oh my God is I think episode number five is my own daughter. And I didn't do that. She actually wanted to Wow, because I talk about it so much. Mm -hmm. I talk about it to where they, my kids are aware that they are aces. They have aces, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I love that they actually want to do something about it. So No, I'm, I'm working. Not only do I have it, but they do too. And these are the things that we're working on. Um, so it makes it, it creates it, it makes it normal. And yeah. so, yeah, she, she was on there with her nice, cute 15 year old self talking about, yes, I took the test and I had a one, but it really depends because honestly, if I was to do the test for her, I don't think she has a one at all in her eyes. She has a one. Exactly. I remember, I remember whereas someone thinks that, you know, whoopings, are a okay thing for some people that's physical abuse so you know like yeah. I said I I'm going to continue to do this and I don't hide it from anybody I think it's an issue or a discussion we all have to have exactly I thank Dr. Felitti and Dr. Ando for doing that I think you know it's so many out there that mm-hmm. doing it now I just want to be in the number to continue to educate others I love that and I share that passion with you. And that's exactly why I had you on here today. I was like, we just, we just need to chat it. Doing this for years, you guys. Like I know. one of the, I, I love you. You're so amazing. And oh, just thank you. So are you, you know, continue to continue to share your story, continue to do what you're doing. And I know mm-hmm. if I'm looking for someone that can, you will. And then the fact that we are so close as far as education I think that's what people have to understand where we really connected we connected because of that and then started talking about ACEs it was on so yeah exactly and that's the thing too is like I think that's there's a lot of us in professional roles Mm -hmm. that if you think about that we do have our own trauma and we do have ACEs and it's it's hard because for those people who are avoiding doing the inner work, yeah. if you work with humans, you're yeah. gonna have to <laughs> like, especially little humans. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Right. Like you have to have control. Yeah. It's the ones that deny it. It's the one that's like, you know, come on, stop it now. Like, I know. And it's hard. I, I empathize. I like, I literally was a person who like ran out of the room in therapy and was like, no, I'm not going back any further. You can't force me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, like I avoided it for so long. And here I am like now years later being very open and sharing my story on the internet and whatever. It's so, so different. But I remember before my first podcast, I was shaking and crying being so worried that I'd be seen different as a professional for having a story like this, right. that I would be seen as incompetent. Yeah. And so just always push that stuff down and no, I would never share anything like that publicly or as a professional, or I just no. especially yeah. with a doctorate degree. Oh no, I could never, yeah. you know? And I think that mental health in general, especially for adults, the stigma is starting to change. People are starting to 
you know, at a grander scale, accept it. Gen Z is a huge part of that. Um, which I appreciate like this next generation that's coming up is going to change things. It's ready to burn it down, whether we're ready or not. They're fiery. (laughs) They are. Oh my God. You're right. Less tact than I would, but we appreciate them. We need that. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's just, and you think of too, like when I think of Gen Z and I, I have nothing against Gen Z, like they're, they're sometimes they're a little much, I'm not going to lie, but I'm aging myself as a millennial here, but it's interesting because it's like, I think that so much of the generations are the way they are is because the different traumas that they've, they've experienced. If you think of like Gen Z, how much they grew up in, they literally have been raised in school shooting drills and seeing this all over the news. And there's, you know, there's a big ace right there, seeing everything that's happening in the world in 2020. And then we have all of these things, like even millennials, like how many like historic events have there been? And I'm not saying there hasn't been in other generations, but we're talking about it more as far as the impacts. And so I think that kids and teenagers, especially, and like the young version, like young adults are really wanting to talk about, Hey, this, this is a big deal. This is impacting me. What are you going to do about it? Like the me too movement, like this is a big deal. What uh, what are we going to do about this? Right. And what happens is we have all these advocacy causes and not much systemically changes. Right. So the people and the kids, especially, (laughs) especially are like, no, we're going to change something then. That's why I'm going to lead what I need to lead with 16 strong. I think it'll work. I really do. Exactly. I love that. I love that. Well, keep an eye out for all that stuff. Um, and yeah, I just, I want to thank you for connecting. I know there's so, so much we can say, and we could do this, uh, and talk for hours. You know that already. I know, I know. Make sure that, you know, you are commended for everything that you've done. I've watched you, you know, I'm a fan. It is, is. we do what we do and we got to continue to advocate because if we, we got to make it relatable for people to understand. So you have to keep telling your story. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, you so much. Thousands of times. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh but yeah. Keep doing that. So continue doing what you're doing. And you know, I am a phone call or a tap away. So absolutely. I do know. And I think for you too, that we can have different phases in our professional lives. Like maybe at some point I will go back to direct therapy, who knows, yeah. but I think that we know what our soul is drawn to and where we're helping. Right. When you have the passion and the advocacy, you're going to be helping no matter where you are. Exactly. Right? And exactly. that's what's needed at the time. You know, maybe right now it's okay for you to take a break on this stuff online because you have this important thing to do here. And people always know that the resources are there. Yeah. And I do want to say that I don't think people understand how much running social media takes out of you. Oh my God. And how little to none financially you get in return. Right. Cause I'm not so, interested in it like that. I'm sorry. I am. No. I love getting on there, but mm-hmm. you know, it's funny now because now Instagram is like, you can't post a story and you have to post a reel. And it's like, why? I, I just want to get the information out there. Okay. Fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And social media is making that a lot harder. That's for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. That that's definitely for oh, sure. But I'm talking your school me for a virtual meeting. I don't care. I'm available. Exactly. Advocates are going to be advocates no matter what they do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Booking. I think anyone who's in education or working with anyone and they're like, I want to do better. How can I support like booking a meeting 
to see that if you want to do some kind of consultation, if you want to do any kind of like training, you know, anything like that, where you come in and speak, especially mm-hmm. from people who have been there. Right. I think that people like you and I, like that's the route for educators to go right now yep, to come is. in and do a training. Yep. And there are tons of resources out there. I mean, you, you want the personality and you want what you're going to get. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And so I think that's what it is for me. It's just me telling my story. It mm-hmm. makes it more, especially being in the position that I am, you know, let's be clear. I'm an African-American female doing this. And it's like, okay, my African-Americans don't really want to address this type of thing, but I do have people that have. And I think they can share their story. And I have people that are credible that have been doing this. So yeah, Yeah. it's great. It is great. It's a great position to be in. So again, Mm -hmm. if there are people out there that are interested, um, my my website is under reconstruction, but it's still accessible. It's bevictorious.com. But I am on social media everywhere as Dr. Victorious or Be Victorious with Dr. Tor. Tori Williams. I'm everywhere. Like I said, I just joined TikTok. And I love that. And it was, so I got to find you. I'm like, I'm literally considering following you right now while we're recording. <laughs> it was so cool. Like I ended up getting like a thousand followers in like four days. And yeah. so now if I feel like going live on TikTok, I can, and I didn't know that you had to have a thousand. And it's like, oh, I'm honored that it came that quick. But- TikTok is interesting from like a, a social media standpoint, because yeah. so, I'm like, I have 20,000 followers and I have some that get like 200 views. And I'm like, what the heck, TikTok? So yeah. many people <laughs> who well, are I- wanting information. And it- I really like yeah. it. Yeah. Because people are really learning. Like I've had people hit me on the inbox and say, I need to know a little bit more about special education. And it's like, bet you know they're they're more engaged that's for sure they are when you find your your little group and they keep sending people this they're very engaged and you can make a lot of difference and it's and usually younger like younger generation too so they really want to learn yeah I'm telling you I'm like oh I gotta Mm -hmm. follow it's funny but yeah like I got it well yeah I'll go find you Um, all of the ways to connect with you will definitely be on show notes and um we'll have your whole bio and all that stuff to anyone who wants to connect so yes thank you so much for what you do for everything in advocacy Mm, and I know you know it went in whatever role you're an advocate and you know all we can do is just share the information we know and hope that other people will start doing the same they will. And we might start seeing changes. Absolutely. I'm, I believe it is going to happen. So it's I like, I want to leave people with this quote and I'm probably going to butcher this. So I apologize, but it's like, have you ever heard of the little starfish story of the kid who's walking along the beach, throwing starfish back in the ocean? So it's this little like poem or something. I'll, if I can cite it, I'll see if I can find it below, but it basically is like uh, these starfish that are on the beach and the tide isn't hitting them right now. And there's a bunch of them. Okay. And this little kid is walking around and he's tossing them back into the ocean. And the adult goes, what are you doing? You can't save all the starfish. He goes, yeah, but I can do it with that one. And so it's just tossing the starfish back as much as you can. And knowing that you're at least making a difference on one starfish. Thanks. That's it. That's really all it is. Yeah. So I thought it was really cool, but anyways, again, thank you so much and everyone be sure to connect with her. And yes, if you are needing support and education, reach out. We're here to help. I'm here. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day. Bye.